Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast, Season 2. I'm your forever coffee-infused host, Ashley Verma, and we are all here weekly to share the ups, downs, and all-arounds of the wild world of parenting. A safe space, a Lego-free space, to vent, to inspire, and well, perhaps this is the only adult conversation you hear all day. What is Adia doing? A, B, C, D. <laughs> is that funny? So each week, I will be joined by a fellow striving, thriving, and surviving busy mumsy. We learn together. We grow together. Hell, we cheers with an adult bevy when necessary. I get it. I am human and failures simply happen. I am not shiny and I am never filtered unapologetically. I am at its best. Even when the dishes aren't done, there's crayon on the wall, and well, my hair hasn't been washed in forever. I am Busy Mumsy. Hello, my glorious Busy Mumsies. Ash here. Another week, another busy chat. Let's freaking do this. Today, I am welcoming TikTok sensation, Instagram sensation, Allison Jacobs on for a Busy Mumsy chat. Her mission is breaking stereotypes through dance while creating body positivity and confidence. If you are not familiar with her platform, please get into it. It just exudes happiness. It makes you smile. It makes you dance. She made me instantly send her an email and go, please, I want to meet you. And please, will you come on my podcast? I'm so ready for this. Let's dive on into this week's Busy Mumsy Chat. Allison Jacobs, welcome to the Busy Mumsy podcast. Thanks for having me. And of course, Perry, my dog, is starting to bark right now. Listen, I'm not shocked by it. And, you know, I can give it like three more minutes and my dog will start chiming in as well. It's always what happens. Or I'll have a blockout. It's always something. And it's like... Yeah, it just is. So, so, so my, my, my dear busy mumsies, you, you have to know that literally right before I hit record, I was in a 10 minute blackout here in Uganda. And luckily, like I've learned my lesson that you have to have like backup and portable and battery packs everywhere. So my entire system can run with when, when I have my next blackout, which will probably happen here soon. So brace yourself, Allison, <laughs> brace yourself. I'm impressed. Like you pull it together though. You make it happen. We are trying to make magic happen here. (laughs) Allison, where are you based in the big old world? I am in Tampa, Florida. Are you born and and raised in good old Tampa? No, no. Um, I was born in New York, and then my parents relocated to Orlando. And then while I was in college, they relocated to Tampa. And then I just kind of ended up here after college. Wow. Do you go back to New York often? Um, you know, when I was younger, I did, but I was just there recently for work, but I would love to go back more than I do. We'll put it that way. Yeah, of course. I love it there. It's definitely not. So I I took my daughter there for the first time, um, in July of this year. And I have to say that I, I give the biggest high fives to any parents raising children there because I was like, Nope, nope, nope. When are we leaving? I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go back to the airport. I need to get her out of here. I was like, I could not bubble wrap her enough. I know. I know. I was just saying that when I was out there. Like, it is so fun to visit, but raising kids there, besides it being super difficult, like, it's so expensive. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah. Like, and, and like, I, you, you may judge me for my, my, my coffee choices, but I am definitely a Starbucks cold brew girl. And I have been my entire like Starbucks existence. And so I had to go over there, of course, to get my Starbucks. I mean, and I, here I sit like literally on the coffee belt of Uganda and they have like the best coffee here, but I needed Starbucks. <laughs> so we go over and she's like, I want this. And like, she points to like this little cake pop thing that was like $7. Yeah. For a cake pop. It's the size of a quarter. I know. It's insane. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> again, I was like, get me to the airport. Get me to my mommy's. I, yeah. I need to see my <laughs> I, I hear yet. I totally get it. Well, Allison, I have to say, I just fell in love with your Instagram account and the fact that you are kicking your face on a daily. I was like, this girl has my heart right here. Like kick your face, kickball change. And now you're a New Yorker. I I, I now understand why you, <laughs> you can kick your face. You are a New Yorker. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so did, did you, you grew up dancing? I'm yeah. assuming. I did. I grew up dancing. I started when I was almost three and quit when I was almost 16. So like 13 years. Yeah. Oh. Were you a competition kid by chance? I was. I was. Me too. You grew up dancing. Were you in New York dancing? Where were you? So yeah, I did training in Pennsylvania and, and, and in New York City. So it was kind of like the back and forth. My like weekly was always in Pennsylvania. So I went to the rival um, studio of Abby Lee's. So Abby. I went, to, I went to Lorraine Sousa's. And so Abby Lee, so like for us, like all regional stuff, we were, were always competed against each other. And then nationals were always like New York city or wherever. And yeah. Oh yeah. I was, I was in that whole gamut. So fun. It's crazy how, everything just in the dance world has taken off. And it's funny because growing up at my studio, we always said there should be a TV show about this. Lo and behold, yeah. Abby Lee Miller. <laughs> I, I mean, all, all of it is so true. I actually had um, Melissa Gisani on the show last year. And we talked about like, because like I, I did like Dance Masters of America. So I had to do regionals. And like, we talked about Abby's studio because she would host it. Like she would have yeah all of our opening numbers and yada, yada, yada. So it was like, ugh, I had to deal with that woman, even though she was not my dance teacher. She's just bananas. But anyways, back to your kickball change and kicking your face all the time. What inspired you? Like, when was the, like, I need to like show off that I, and I mean that in a very positive way, showing off. If I could kick my face like that and do the moves that you do, I would be on TikTok as well. When did you find the oomph that you wanted to get it out there and show the world your positivity? Well, you know, it wasn't really that I was going to go and I had no idea that people would be interested in watching me almost 40 years old at the time dance around my house in my pajamas because this all started during COVID when we were locked in our homes and couldn't go anywhere. And I saw one of my friends doing a TikTok with her family. And I'm like, this is so fun. And I, at the time, was like very newly in recovery from eating disorders. And one of the things we talk about is joyfully moving our bodies. Um, and I just kind of felt like this would be such a fun way. Like I made this deal with myself. Like I could, it like held me accountable. I could learn one dance a day. And it was like recorded for me. And I really 
wasn't, you know, I don't want this to come off the wrong way. I wasn't doing it for anybody else but myself. I still, it shocks me that so many people are interested in following me. It's crazy to me. Oh, oh I'm, I'm hook, I, I told you, I'm hook, line, and sinker. Like, <laughs> and, and then you put your husband up there and he's doing his little ditty. And like, part of me is like, yeah, I'm moving with him as well. Is his name Eric? Your husband's name is Eric? Yeah. yeah. He's like doing like his vibe and you're doing your vibe. And I was like, oh my God, I just like love this so much. Like sign me up. So yeah, no, I don't be shocked. People are, are hook, line and sinker on you because it is like, it is joy on your squares. Like it's a, it's a really like amazing, authentic, like approach opposed to just being like, eh, like showy, showy, showy. It's authentic. It's so good. Oh, thank you so much. That means that really does mean a lot to me and it. I mean, it really is. It's authentic. Like it, it's just us living our lives and dancing. Like, I don't know. It's still so crazy to me. And I love that so many people can like resonate with it. It's so cool. It's really neat. We'll, we'll take it back though to your eating disorder mm -hmm. because that is something that's on your platform. So not only is it positivity, but it's like, you know what, you have gone through struggles in your life and you've, you've, you have shared a little bit of it. I, I have found through digging on yeah. social media. So what was that like for you as as a mom, mm -hmm. a mom to boys and battling something that, I mean, I, I don't want to just like pigeonhole it and say that it's only like that females only suffer with eating disorders. I, mm -hmm. I think that it, anyone can suffer with it, but it's more of a conversation piece amongst women. And you girls. know, I actually learned some shocking statistics. I re I was in New York uh, before we started, you know, taping. I was telling you I was recently there for work. I was working with Montanito and Affiliates, which is an eating disorder organization. They have inpatient, outpatient, the whole thing. And I learned some crazy statistics. The amount of people, all people that suffer and it goes undiagnosed and they have no idea just because diet culture normalizes so many things that are disordered. It's crazy to me, but oh, yeah, we, we are, we're, we're, I'm a little bit older than you, but like we essentially grew up the nineties were like, it was a vacuum of it. Like you could not stand in the grocery store line without seeing essentially women though, being body shamed, yeah. the comparisons. And then like what, what was perfect. And that, that perfect was like a negative size. Yeah. Oh, it was ridiculous. Like Brittany being shamed at the VMAs that year after having like her second child less than a year later on stage. Jessica Simpson, like those images, I will never forget those images when they were talking and the negative, terrible things that they were saying. Awful. Yeah. How, is, how has it been for you navigating motherhood and figuring out how to handle your own eating disorder. And also like, I, I, hate, I hate the whole bounce back, you know, like you just said, like Britney Spears performing and the whole bounce back culture and, and all of that. That had to have been quite the minefield though for you if you are already internally having issues with food, with yourself. How, how was that journey for you? So I didn't realize that I had an eating disorder like during those bounce back years. Um, I only realized it in 2019 and my youngest was born in 2015. So when I really got into restricting again was around 
2016, which for sure was triggered by, you know, wanting to bounce back. Um, I just really didn't realize that what I had was atypical anorexia because I never in my entire life looked sick. You know what I mean? Um, so I thought that I was just eating the way that I needed to eat to fit into that mold, into society's beauty standard. You know what I mean? Um, and now, you know, raising the kids and it's very important to me that we try to talk to them, you know, and not restrict, you know, there's, especially with Halloween, I don't know if you've like seen the Halloween, what do they call it? Like the, the, the Halloween witcher, you can trade out the candy and they get like a gift or something. Have you seen that? You know, there's, no. There's two sides to it, but it's like, I don't know. I don't want to make candy like this thing, you know? It's really important to me that my kids don't place value or worth, I should say, on food. Like, there's no good food or bad food, you know? It's really important that they just know how to nourish themselves. And if they want to have some sugar, they have some sugar. I love that my boys will leave cake over. You know what I mean? Like they don't feel like it's the last time they're going to get that piece of cake. Because I think for me, I know for me, you know, that's what happened. When I could get my hands on bad food, I would just binge on it. So it's really important raising my boys that they know that and they don't, even with themselves, but with other people, like the judgment, you know, I don't want that for them. No, absolutely. I actually had a nutritionist on not too long ago, and she was talking about, we were talking about pudding and, oh, is it okay that your child has dessert? My daughter's three, she's, she'll be four in February. And she's like, put the dessert, put the pudding down on the plate as if it's all a part of the meal. Don't make a big deal out of it. And, I, and in my head, I'm going, this was always a big deal when I was growing up. I, we had a timer because my mom, like we, I grew up in a culture in a family that you had to finish what was on your plate. Yeah. Like we, it was, we were, we were not uber rich. We were just your middle-class family. And my, my dad worked his ass off. My mom worked her ass off. And if she cooked that dinner, you're going to eat that dinner. And I, I, I know that I got anxiety from that. Like mm -hmm. I, I, there was a, there was a clock, there was everything. Cause my brother and I would beat the crap out of each other too at the dinner table. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I wasn't like, wait a minute, my two boys just beat the crap out of out of each other's dinner table yesterday. <laughs> right? Seriously. Seriously. No, but I mean, like, we did. I, it's crazy how, you know, these things that, you know, generations before us would do and how it gets passed down and all of that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not because they were trying to obviously make us feel that anxiety, but it's so interesting, you know, the way that society perceives beauty and the way that we're willing to go to all these crazy means to like fit that mold that changes every 10 years. It's nuts. Yeah. How do you feel about yourself now through your journey? You've had two gorgeous boys and now you've you've gone through the ups and the downs of not only parenting but also with your eating disorder. Where how, how looking back on it, like how how do you see you now? I'm really proud of myself. That's how I see myself. I just see myself. I'm not perfect. Um, my recovery has not been straightforward, and it 
recovery looks different for everybody, for sure. But one thing that is true for everybody is it is not linear. Recovery is messy. And the fact that I'm still here, that I'm talking to you about this just makes me really proud. And I don't know um, if you've seen, I'm about to have surgery three weeks from today. Are you aware about any of that aspect? Um, no. Lipedema, have you heard of that? Well, I, I, I have it in my notes. I wanted to ask you because I've, I've never had a conversation about lipedema. Like, I, could you educate me, the Busy Mumsy listeners? Like, what is it? When did this diagnosis happen? Is, is this, I, I did read that you could, this could potentially happen from hereditary or after pregnancy. So it can be hereditary and it, it usually is, it doesn't have to be, but onset and progression is during hormonal periods of life. Okay. okay. So, and it primarily affects women, but it can also affect men. Um, but a lot of times men, males will carry the gene, but they don't express symptoms, interestingly, but it is thought to impact one in 10 women. So it is not rare. It is just underrecognized. It's not taught in medical school. Some, some, yes, but they spend like maybe two weeks on the entire lymphatic system, which is crazy to me in medical school, but lipedema is a fat disorder. And it was um, recognized by Mayo Clinic in 19, I want to say 45. And then just nothing was ever done about it. And what it is, is fat, diseased fat. It usually collects in the lower legs. For most people, onset is puberty. Worst time ever, right? Um, and it just holds basically lymphatic fluid, fluid, it becomes swollen and fibrotic, sometimes painful. For a lot of people, you only have your lived experience. So you normalize a lot of pain, swelling, heaviness, because you've never lived in any other body, you know? And for, I mean, me, I've been living with this now for 30 whatever years. Um, and so the first thing for me was the knees, the, the normal anatomical structure of my kneecaps, like you just couldn't see it. And no matter how much diet or exercise, it doesn't go away. The diseased fat will not go away. And once you get to like stage two, so there's four stages of the disease, there really, there are some conservative treatments that can really help slow down the progression, um, keep you in stage one if you start soon enough. Um, but when you get to where I'm at surgery, liposuction and not just a regular liposuction, like this is a very specialized procedure. And if you go to somebody that's just doing regular liposuction, you will, it'll make you worse. Um, but that's the only way to get rid of it. It's crazy. And it's phenomenally expensive and insurance companies, um, they're just starting to recognize it. Like we just got a code for it. But to get the coverage, they make you jump through so many very hoops. It's insane. And so many people just can't get the coverage for it. So they're living with this. And so many women will end up in wheelchairs because of it. It really, really impacts mobility. I was just going to ask, like, how does that impact your joints, your, your knees, your ankles, your, the, your ability to maybe take a long walk? Like, do you feel the effects of that after X amount of time? Yeah. Like I was just at Universal this weekend 
And, you know, we were talking with my boys and my husband. I'm like, it's going to be real interesting to see. You know, I feel like whenever somebody goes through surgery, well, I, I don't know. I can only speak for myself. I always feel like I'm going to be that one person that like goes through the surgery and like doesn't help. Like when I had my gallbladder removed, for example, I would have these gall episodes and I'll be like, I'm going to have the surgery. They're going to take it out and I'm still going to go through it. That didn't happen, but that's how I'm feeling now with this lipedema surgery. I'm like, am I going to go through all this? Cause it's a big deal. I have three surgeries. Um, I've got to wear, um, compression garments 24 hours a day for one month after each surgery and then 12 hours for the next month. Plus I've got to follow up with manual lymphatic drainage massages. Like this is going to be a long, long road. And one of the things, you know, that we battle when raising awareness for lipedema, you hear liposuction and you just, you think plastic surgery, cosmetic procedure. Like this is not a cosmetic procedure. It's medically necessary. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to being able to go to theme parks and dance. And, you know, people often say, how do you, how do you shake your butt on the internet every day if you're in so much pain? I mean, people don't know, people don't know what I'm going through, you know, they don't know what hurts and what doesn't. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm nervous for the surgery. I'm very nervous, but I'm also really excited. I know it's the right decision because mine has progressed over the last two and a half years. I mean, I think I'm kind of getting close to perimenopause if I'm not already in it. And I'm definitely seeing major progression. So what will you see on the other side of having the, the lipo, the surgery, going through the three rounds of, of the surgeries? Like what, what are, are the hopes? Like, will it just like purely be removed or that's the thing. Um, it's so crazy and there's still so much more that needs to be learned about it. Um, and they're, they're starting to try to, um, figure out the exact gene that causes it and all of those things. But right now there is no cure. So my hope, and I think most people that go through the surgery, their hope is that once you do remove all the diseased fat and you're at a doctor that knows what they're doing, it resets the disease to infancy stages. So my hope is throughout my life, I'm never worse off than I am now because it can come back. And what's crazy, and this is something that I get chills thinking about how my life has just kind of ended up where it is now in the timing of things. But the only reason why I know about lipedema is because my followers mentioned it to me. And I had so many people like, I think you have lipedema, I think you have lipedema, that I started looking into it, researching, found this doctor, he diagnosed me. And then I went and I spoke to my doctors here that had no idea about it. And this happens all the time. You go. You to, had no clue in your teens, in your in your twenties. You had, had no, no clue anything I, like that. I was just diagnosed two years ago. First time I'd ever heard about it. Right, chills. And this is the same way for so many people. Like doctors, the medical community. You'll go down a rabbit hole after we have this conversation if you start googling it because I, I, I instantly think of my aunt Carlene. You have no idea, and she uh -huh. is. Like immediately, and and she it has been battling cancer for of bone mm -hmm. and blood for like fifteen years. Ugh. Like, it, it's my it's my dad's oldest sister, and honestly, I I don't know how she she does it. But when I instantly you're talking about this, I think about her legs 
mm-hmm. and her knees and her ankles. And it, it's, it, it's exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. She probably will lose weight or whatever, but that, that column like look. Yeah. The, yeah. There's no sort of shape to it. it it's just, it's, it, it's a cylinder. Column. Yeah. That's yeah. when you Google lipedema, that's like what you find. Um, but you know, you, you take this, you really, really take this further. <clears throat> and I've been very open about, you know, my eating disorder, but can you imagine growing up your entire life being told to eat less and move more? Lose weight, yeah. lose weight, lose weight. So, you know, there's no studies on this and I can't give you statistics, but I imagine most women or people with lipedema, if they don't have an eating disorder, they have a terrible body image and a terrible relationship with food. Now, fast forward to me finding out about this, going to my doctors here locally, um, we're talking like vascular surgeons, endocrine doctors that should know about this. And they looked mm-hmm. at me crazy. They say, lymphedema, do you mean? And I'm like, no, it's called lipedema. They're like, that's not. A thing. Yeah, it's two separate things. I, I, I found that on YouTube. I Again, I didn't know. Like I was like trying to like educate myself enough I to have this conversation with you. But yeah, there's two different types. Right. It's not two different types. They're two separate diseases. As you get to stage four, you can end up with, it's called, is it lipolymphedema? Where it's like, I forget what it's called, but it's when you have both. When the lipedema progresses far enough to damage the lymphatics enough to where you end up with lymphedema on top of it. So, okay. So it, it affects the lower part of the body. It will not come up. Like it doesn't no. go up. Like chest. It's when not it, something. Sorry, when go ahead. It starts. No, that's okay. When it, when it starts, that's where it starts. Um, but it can progress. Um, initially it was thought to just like the upper arm area down here. So it's like, if you look at my forearms in my own screen, it's like, I have like a regular anatomy, like the anatomy of my forearm really is pretty, you can see my wrist, but short sleeves. this right here, it doesn't go away. No matter how small I would try to shrink myself, this area doesn't go away. And this is lipedema fat and you can feel it. There's like, it's harder than normal fat. It's fibrotic. It's almost like you can feel like lumps or something in the fat. It's, it's, and it's tender. Not everybody experiences tenderness. Mine only recently started feeling tender in certain areas where I have it. And when I was first diagnosed, it was just two surgeries. Then when I realized I wanted to actually have the surgery, when I first had the consultation, I wanted to just get the diagnosis. I wasn't ready to have surgery. Year and a half later, it progressed to where I needed two and a half surgeries. And now in the last like six or seven months, it has, I have areas of it in my back and in my torso. So it can be, it can really be anywhere depending on just what's going on with you. It's nuts. And so how, how is your family prepping for, for you to be going into this surgery and kind of like the unknown of what, you know, what the other side will be for recovery? Like, are, are they well-versed now into this or is your husband going to be kicking his face? Like, I want, I need to be prepped for this, Allison. Is Eric gearing up to do a little 
kickball change and a booty, booty, booty. No, they're so good. Like they're so supportive. Eric's going to come with me. Um, the kids are this time they're going to come up because I'm doing it over Christmas. We don't celebrate Christmas. We're Jewish. Um, so we were already planning on being in California with my sister. Um, so I'm actually having my surgery the week before in LA and then Eric is going to fly home and get the kids and we're going to go to San Diego and spend a week there going. We kind of want to see how I feel afterwards for, cause next surgeries are January and February. So like back to back, um, wow. we'll just fly home. You know, it's a lot of time to leave the kids alone. So I think we'll just be there for five nights, five days, five nights, something like that each time going forward. Um, but as far as like content, I don't know if that's what you were saying with like the kickball change. Like I am filming everything. Like I am part of this. I was like, I am so blessed to have this platform that I have and be able to raise awareness and there have been some um, people that have done this, but I really want to try to show everything. And one of the conversations I want to continue to talk about post-surgery is just how triggering this is for eating disorders. Um, because I'm literally shrinking myself. You know what I mean? It's that image that I've chased after my entire life, essentially. Like I finally, you know, gotten to this point I've worked so hard to love and accept the body that I have now, but now in order to take care of it, I have to have this surgery. Like it is a lot, you know, psychologically it's a lot. So I wanted to ask, are you going to be, are, do you plan to seek that guidance also from a psychologist to help you get through this? Cause I have no doubt that it will be so triggering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I have a phenomenal therapist and this is something again, that is so cool because now I've worked with Montanito, that organization, that's what they do, eating disorders. And I'm working with my doctor. They're actually, I think this week, having like a Zoom um, just to kind of talk about how to screen for, you know, if somebody, uh, you know, basically red flags for eating disorders um, and proper ways to have discussions about food and body and all of that with people that are susceptible or already, you know, dealing with it. Because the other thing that's really, really difficult is the recommended diet, you know, for lipedema is extremely restrictive. Um, you know, and it talks about cutting out certain food groups, which when you're in recovery, that's a no-no, you know, you, you don't want to, like I've said, you know, assign negativity or positivity to certain foods. So, you know, we're working on it and I'm, I'm so grateful that my doctor is so like willing to learn. Um, and I think he wants to do more research, um, on the correlation between the two. So, you know, I, I don't think I'm going, I don't want to say like I'm a hundred percent prepared. I think I'm doing everything I possibly can to prepare myself, but I think it's going to be messy. I think it's going to be hard. Um, and so we're just going to see. And I plan and hope that I can be strong enough to be completely honest with everything because I just think that that's really important that people fully understand, you know, what this is, especially if they're going to seek out surgery themselves. Like it's not, 
you know, just this easy answer and this easy decision to make. Um, there's a lot that goes into it. Well, you have an amazing platform and an amazing community that is cheering you on, that is for sure. And I mean, I'll have to say, I'll speak on behalf of them to say thank you for sharing and being so transparent with it to educate us. Because again, it's for those definitely who are suffering with eating disorders and, and in and out of, you know, of getting help and relapsing and everything. It's that, that is a tough journey to be on. And you have a, and now another layer to navigate and to come back to, to you and yourself and finding your, you know, that positivity that goes back to your account, right. Of like, you now on the other coming on the other side of three surgeries, finding you and who you are and, and putting that out there. Wow. 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 Yeah. It's just, it really, I, for lack of a better word of like, just, wow. I, I just, you know, if I can do anything, if any of your, you know, the listeners, your, your, your community can do anything, I mean, put it out there. Cause I, I, you got an army you got an army and you're, you're giving so much. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. Mm. Now going into 2024, you've got a big 2024 ahead of you and what obviously everything to go successfully well, Mm -hmm. but through this journey, what are your, like the number one hope that you gain out of this with your family? You know, that's, the one of the dri- one of the main driving impetus for me to move forward with the surgery is so that I can continue to just live and move joyfully with my family to go to the amusement parks to not have to you know like yesterday morning and whenever we try to get on Hagrid's at Harry Potter World and Universal it's like a mad dash once you get there it's like you got to get to that line otherwise you're going to be waiting over 2 hours and they've got to like book it. And then I meet them there. Like, I want to be able to book it with them. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just really looking forward to being able to have that mobility to get on the floor with my grandchildren that I hope to have one day. And, you know, just do everything I can for this body that really has been so resilient. Like I have put this body through so much and it still shows up for me every day. And I know this is how I'm going to show up for it, you know, and in turn, my family. Mm, Big hearts, big high fives, big hugs from me in Uganda, all the way to you in Tampa, Florida. Allison Jacobs, thank you so much for your time, your words of wisdom and being so candid with your journey. A lot of love, a lot of love. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was truly a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to this week's show. Did you like it, Adia? Yes! Oh, the enthusiasm. I love it. Please share your love by giving us a five-star rating, a rockin' review, and please share with any fellow Busy Mumsies. We love hearing from you. So if you want to get in touch, head to the Busy Mumsy show notes for further details and links to the Busy Mumsy website. So long for now. Can you say bye-bye, Adia? Bye-bye, Adia. <laughs> 
Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revelhorwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.